without fundamental changes in uh, approach and staffing, one can't anticipate success in this arena. Expecting physicians just to take on more uh, responsibilities in this uh, uh, is somewhat doomed to fail. Thank you for tuning into Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners, where we talk about disruptive success strategies in the value-based care world with some of the most experienced healthcare industry experts and thought leaders. Today's host is Daniel Marino, Managing Partner at Lumina Health Partners. Now let's get started. We want to welcome our special guest, Dr. Betty Rabinowitz, Chief Medical Officer of NextGen Healthcare. Betty has done tremendous amount of work aligning incentives, helping organizations achieve under risk-based contracts, providing the analytic insights that really help to drive the change and help organizations become successful. Welcome, Betty. Very happy to have you today. Thanks, Dan. Very glad to be here. Before we get started um, in, our, in our conversation today, and I think we're going to spend some time talking about, you know, the, how do you create the right level of incentives under risk-based contracts? How do we help organizations achieve the, the right level of success as, organ, as, as providers start to work together? I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes, Betty, talking about your background and some of the work that you've done, some of the successes that you've had, provide a little bit of insight for our listeners. Great. Thanks, Dan. Um, I'm a general internist. I was in practice for many years uh, here in Rochester, New York, uh, as part of the University of Rochester's uh, Center for Primary Care. I actually uh, ended my tenure at the university as the medical director for the Center for Primary Care and had a lot of early experiences, wonderful experiences there, uh, trying to figure out our way uh, through our first value-based contracts, the ones we uh, had undertaken uh, very early days. Uh, became, I became very intrigued and very involved in uh, using data, clinical data, to uh, measure and support uh, clinical uh, transformation. And in 2015, founded a healthcare uh, analytics population health uh, company. Uh, we were acquired by NextGen Healthcare, one of the leading uh, EHR companies uh, in the country in August of 2017, and of late have been uh, uh, the chief medical officer for NextGen Healthcare. Continue to be very passionate about population health and helping organizations succeed in a value-based uh, environment. Wow, that's great. Well, thanks, Betty, for again, for being here today. You know, when we talk to organizations around the country, when we talk to leaders um, as they start to engage in these value-based contracts, more and more of the, the, the payers, including the government, are starting to really shift the risk down to the providers. And they're doing this through these risk-based contracts. And many of them have started to engage in these contracts and one of the challenges we often hear is how do the, the, the physicians, the groups, the ACOs, the clinically integrated networks, how do they start to align their incentives um, so they can really achieve the success that they need to achieve out of these contracts? How do they really begin to optimize the contracts? And as I kind of say, getting you know, all the canoes rowing in the same direction. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about that and maybe, you know, you could share some of your insights. You know, what do you see or what do you hear in terms of 
you know, what incentives mean to different or different physicians, different groups as they start to position themselves for success. Yeah, I think it's a great, uh, a great place to start. I think that incentives, aligning incentives uh, means different things uh, in different environments. For example, in some organizations where the physician group is an employed compensation plan in place is incenting the right behaviors. It's very difficult to pay physicians based on volume, but expect them to produce value. Uh, so that's one example where incentives uh, would need to be aligned. Care teams need to be uh, allowed to evolve to a place where they can actually do the take on the new tasks that uh, show up when you uh, are working in a value-based environment. And lastly, we talk a lot about patient engagement. Incredibly important to have patients' incentives aligned as well so that they can engage in a meaningful, comprehensive way in their care and be successful in their journey to wellness uh, and prevention. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, uh, we often hear in working with, with leaders and with physicians, you know, look, we're, we're now being held responsible for managing the populations. You know, how, how do we align that incentive with the patients as well? And, you know, and I kind of think about it in, in a number of different categories, right? You have the financial incentives, you have the operational incentives, as you said, is aligning the care teams, patient incentives, and, you know, a lot of them, the, the quality and, and the tracking and so forth. When's the right time to start? putting these incentives in place, or at least begin to start talking about it? Is, is the time now? Do we wait a little bit longer? In, in your experience, when is the right time to start engaging in these conversations? Um, it, it, interestingly, my response to that question is always uh, yesterday. You cannot underestimate the length of time, the complexity, the uh, kind of surprises, good surprises, bad surprises, challenges along the way as you begin to create a fabric of data and information that uh, supports aligning these incentives and transforming uh, workflows, practice, patient engagement. It is really important to realize that waiting until you have signed the value-based contract in which you have taken on risk in order to start, you are probably going to guarantee yourself a year or two of very lackluster results or actually uh, uh, could even be a risk of, of uh, failure. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think the sooner you start and the sooner you have these conversations, the quicker you get ahead of the curve, right? And the way that I kind of think about it is, you know, when you start to manage these contracts, you know, you're working towards managing the high risk population. And in some cases, that's the low hanging fruit. But really, the, the, the big transformation, everything from the operational to the culture transformation, really is around how you manage the rising risk population. And mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. The quicker you start this, the better opportunity you have to gain the traction, to align the results, align the vision, and you know, hopefully see some real opportunities. Absolutely. And I think also, if you look at it from a data and analytics perspective, uh, any um, uh, endeavor in this regard takes time to mature. Data uh, needs to be garnered from as many uh, sources as possible. It needs to be stabilized, synchronized, normalized, standardized, so it can be used 
Workflows need to be adapted to uh, the need to collect data in a standard and reproducible way. All of those things take time. And Dan, you mentioned care management in rising risk patients. Uh, creating a cohort of well-trained care managers is not a small feat. It takes time uh, to recruit either internally or externally these uh, uh, practitioners and get them uh, uh, well-trained and uh, functioning at a very high level takes time as well. Yeah, and you know, the, the more you're talking about this, you know, a couple of key concepts sort of resonate with me. One, you have to have the right level of governance and leadership, but, you, but it really does take a village, right? It, it really does take everything from care management to, you know, the physician leader, to analytics, to really around thinking about how we need to, you know, support some of the operational workflow, care model redefining and, and that sort of thing. So it, it really does take, I, I guess, a number of areas working together to make sure that, you know, you are achieving that right level of incentive. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, the, the notion of team-based care even though we all talk about it, and it is a reasonably new concept in the ambulatory uh, setting, where in years past, uh, and certainly many of the physicians practicing today, still uh, trained in an environment where physicians uh, were the tip of the spear, in a way, rather than having a very broad patient-facing team uh, that collaborates uh, to the top of their uh, license. There's a conceptual shift that needs to happen as well as a, a very practical one, uh, getting uh, the teams uh, together, aligned, and finally supporting them with the appropriate data at the right time, at the right place, for the right patient, for the right purpose. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right. And it's really developing that team-based incentive, if you will, right? So it's not just incentivizing the physicians and even if they have a, an APP, an advanced practice uh, uh, provider with them, but it's also incentivizing the other, other clinical support team. So for instance, incorporating, say, social work and having those right incentives, dietary, um, you know, other behavioral health professionals, pharmacy, if you will, it's, it's really coming up with that team, right? So everybody, again, is aligned with the same goal and is achieving that same, that same outcome. It really does take that, you know, that village, if you will, to really be able to move that forward, achieve that level of success. Absolutely. So in your opinion, maybe give some, maybe shed some light on where organizations start, right? Because, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, intuitively it sounds like the right thing to do, right? It's the best thing, best care that we can deliver to our patients. It, it, it sounds like, you know, if we do this right, um, it's going to achieve a lot of success for these contracts. The hardest part is knowing where to start, right, to kick this, to kick this off. Can you share a little insight? You know, what, what are your thoughts in terms of where organizations may want to start as they start to move forward with building these right level of incentives? Sure. Uh, you know, I think the first uh, step is, is truly to take a realistic assessment of uh, the developmental stage that the organization is at. Are things otherwise going reasonably uh, smoothly? I always talk about 
teaching botany in a forest fire. Uh, if there's a forest fire going on, not a good time to be uh, taking on uh, additional tasks and challenges. But if things, uh, there is the motivation, there, I there is the bandwidth in the organization to take this on, there are varieties of ways of going about it. One could start with uh, a small, uh, uh, very focused project uh, that demonstrates uh, in a relatively short time return on investment, engages uh, constituents, uh, teaches uh, some important lessons before you embark on a very broad uh, initiative. And other organizations uh, choose just to dive in and uh, uh, begin uh, across the board uh, making uh, these changes uh, either because they have to contractually or because they feel that a uh, quote-unquote big bang is the way uh, to go about it. Yeah, I guess it really depends upon the culture of the organization, right? So if the organization is ready and can move very fast culturally and operationally, then yeah, diving right into it is a good place to go. But I could also see for some organizations you want to start slow. It's, this is a paradigm shift in getting physicians to think differently, perform differently, you know, as, as well as then the team to, to perform differently, you know, certainly would take time. I like what you said, though, about aligning, say, the physician with the care manager. In my mind, that's a great place to start because what it also does is it gives that support to the physicians. You know, oftentimes what we hear and everybody talks about physicians being overburdened and, you know, being asked to do, do you know, too much. And, you know, it's just a challenge. And I think the more that we can incorporate care managers to support physicians, support the process, one, it builds a sense of trust. Two, it builds a sense of efficiencies. And again, naturally, you would just create that alignment of incentives, right? I mean, they would just be really relying on one another to, to drive things forward. Absolutely. And I think you touch on a key point, Dan. Without fundamental changes in uh, approach and staffing, one can't anticipate success in this arena. Expecting physicians just to take on more uh, responsibilities in this uh, uh, is somewhat um, uh, uh, doomed to fail. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Well, listen, we've covered a lot, and I really appreciate the insight. I think this has been fantastic. I think in summary, there's a, a couple of key things I, I just would love to highlight. I love what you brought up around ensuring that as you're starting to think about the incentives, we're taking into consideration the financial incentives, the operational incentives that have to occur by aligning the team, but not forgetting about the patients and making sure that we're aligning the needs of the patients and, and what their incentives are to the overall success. The other part that I thought was real fascinating is aligning the governance um, as well as then all of the capabilities that are gonna be required to really drive and support that that aligned incentive, right? It's that concept about it takes a village. And absolutely right. I, I feel real strong about that. And I think the more that we can get teams to work together um, with the right level of capabilities, the analytics, the care plans, all of that really helps support the direction. And then third, it's, it's really the balance between how quick an organization wants to go from an operational standpoint and a culture standpoint. And I think as organizations start to think about 
again, culturally, how they can move their everything from their physicians to their teams forward under these levels of, of new contracts. Boy, that to me is just a really a, a key area of, of success. Anything else that, that you might want to add? No, I, I think you highlighted the, the main points uh, really well, Dan. It's a very exciting time in healthcare. And what's nice is that groups don't have to go this alone now. There's both um, help uh, with guidance and um, kind of uh, being uh, supported and accompanied through uh, the journey. And there are wonderful technology tools now to provide the kind of data and uh, analytic insights that support the uh, infrastructure of uh, team-based care and uh, value and uh, undertaking of risk. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We're in a, in a much better position now, and it's only continuing to position us for success down the road, certainly with all the technology and the new capabilities that have emerged. Listen, I really want to thank you, Dr. Betty, for your insights today. This has been been great. I want to thank all of our listeners for for listening in on our value-based care insights, our podcast series by Lumina Health Partners. Um, as we've said before, we're your partner on the journey to value-based care. And we're, we hope and, and excited that you're able to listen today and look forward to you listening to future podcast series. Our next series is going to be on September 17th, where we're, our colleague Linda Michelle will be speaking about clinical service lines and how we incorporate aspects of value-based care into the expansion and development of clinical service lines. Thanks again for listening to Value-Based Care Insights. And if you, anybody is interested in following up directly with Dr. Betty, her email is brabinowitz at nextgen.com, brabinowitz at nextgen.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and look forward to talking with you again soon. To learn more about today's topic and others, please visit us at luminahp.com. If you find value in today's conversation, please subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, and Breaker. 